What is going on, everybody? Jamie Shaw here on the Absolute Basketball Podcast. And today, in this episode is part two of the Matt Driscoll University of North Florida head coach uh, session. Uh, you enjoy part one, make sure that you go back and, and check that out if you haven't yet. And we're going to flow right into part two here, uh, leading into uh, the rest of the stories, I guess, with Matt Driscoll of the University of North Florida. Uh, this is great stuff about his program, great stuff about his personal story, his mission, uh, how he got into coaching and, and, and all of that. Um, great two-part series, a uh, couple hours long, both of them too. So uh, we had to space them out uh, within the day. Um, but uh, before we get into it, we ask the normal, please subscribe to the channel, please rate us five stars, and please leave us a review as to what you enjoyed about this episode. These are very important to us. The uh, rating, the subscription, the review gets us out in front of more people. It gets these stories, the coaches' stories out in front of more people. It gets the prospect talk and, and all of that out in front of more people. And this is the time of learning. We want these coaches' stories to be heard. We want these players' names and their scouting reports to be heard as well. Uh, in, this, in, in this time of pandemic, everybody's craving information, everybody's learning, uh, everybody's trying to get out in front and, and get ahead. Um, and we want, we want these coaches' stories heard, uh, and we want to do our part to help out. So please subscribe to the channel, rate us five stars, and leave a review as to what you enjoyed about uh, the podcast, about this episode, and all that kind of stuff. And we greatly appreciate you for that. But without further ado, here is part two, University of North Florida head coach Matt Driscoll on the Absolute Basketball Podcast with Jamie Shaw. Thank you guys very much. You know, when you go back and earlier you talked about what did you learn um, from those places and as you move forward. And, and the one thing is, and something I think that's really important is, not only does everybody need to be on the same page, but you truly need to walk out of the room moving forward with whatever that is. Mm -hmm. And, like, I couldn't stand Wajitamina. I thought it was terrible. I loved him as a sophomore going into his junior, went down to Miami. We offered him like, I thought he was going to be like phenomenal. Mm -hmm. And for whatever reason, I was chasing Thomas Dezagua, kid who went to Oklahoma state and uh, uh, Keon um, uh, Clara got, went to UMass. Mm -hmm. And I was, I was really locked into Thomas. I mean, spent a lot of time with Thomas and thought we had a chance. So I stayed with it. Um, and if you think about it, it was actually, we thought at that time it was us and Stephen F. Austin. Mm -hmm. And it really was because he ended up playing for Brad Underwood at Oklahoma State. So, you know, we're going at it, we're going at it, we're going at it. And every time I saw Wajid play, it wasn't very good. So we get back at the end of August and I tell the guys, we're not recruiting him anymore and I don't want his commitment and I don't want him. And all four guys, all four, including my director of basketball operations who was in the office and what he reads and what he hears and, you know, whatever, all four guys said, Coach, you're wrong. You are wrong. That's a misevaluation. You didn't see him long enough. You weren't on his court. Long and I wasn't. But every time I saw him when Thomas was out, I was looking over at the courts, you know, it like something bad happened. And I had that vision. And I said, okay, you know what? If it's four to one, I have to be missing something. I'm, I, I, I'm yeah. not one of those guys. I said, bring him to the league camp. Because we had an unbelievable league camp. Mm -hmm. uh, what's his name? Your boy from uh, what the temple was there. Justin Hamilton. Yeah, Hamilton. He, he crushed him. He crushed yeah. Justin. I shouldn't say it like that, but yeah. edit that. But, but he, he really had Justin's number that day. And, um, and I'm like, after that day, I'm like, boy, Jid, like, 
we love you. Yeah. And we told him the story, you know, and, um, you know, we ended up, UTEP was just messing with them and Miami and Ohio came in so late, mm -hmm. but you know, who really helped us a lot Who's that? was a guy who coached his brother who had a relationship with us, who really had a respect for us and for the way we treat people and for the way we coach. Mm -hmm. And he really helped kind of in that process. And um, so, you know, and, and that's the thing too, you know, Jamie, you talk about, well, get on the road and go to Vegas and do all this stuff and you're going to be a recruiter and you're going to be this and you're going to be that. You know what? What if the kid fell in love with Bruce Martin when he came on the Clemson visit, which is what happened a lot because Bruce Martin was a great dude and played in the ACC. Mm -hmm. What if the guy falls in love with Frank Young when he comes on a visit? Yeah. But Frank's not on the road. You know what I mean? And, and uh, it, it's just – and that's another good story, by the way, how we hired Frank Young. Yeah. That'll be for – another day when you want to talk about all that stuff. But well, I remember, um, I remember watching Wajid actually play for AAU. I believe he played for Gold Coast Elite, if I'm not mistaken. That and was I, early. Yeah. And I remember seeing him. He, he was, at the time, I believe, 6'6". Six, six. But the thing about him that really stood out was he was so active. Yes. He was raw. He, you know. Just all, like Jaden. Yeah, just like Jaden. But so active. He's always kind of deflections or, or, or shot alters, not even blocks, just alters or, or tipping rebounds. Just activity level was off the charts. Should have been the two-time defensive player of the year, in my opinion. He, would, he got it one year, didn't get it this year. Yeah. But he scored. He's the all-time leading rebounder, all-time leading block shot, and he scored 1,100 points or something like that. Uh, he had an incredible, incredible career. But you go back to, you remember the guard that was on his team? Was it, the, was it a Perez? Dylan Fry. Fry, Fry. And he ended up going to have a great career at Bowling Green. Mm -hmm. We tried so hard to get him. Um, we just couldn't – we couldn't get him. Uh, but if we get him, we don't get Yvonne. And, you know, how about this for a stat? You talk about um, – was it be this way? You talk about that guy right there, Dallas Moore. Yeah. And Bo Beach. How about this for a stat, Coach? Those two guys played uber minutes their whole career. Mm-hmm. How many games combined do you think they missed? One. None. That's amazing. Here's a better statistic. That kid, Dallas Moore, the Nuggets kid, mm -hmm. Yvonne Gondea Rosa comes in and replaces him for three years after one year of Juco. So we've had those guys for seven straight years. Mm -hmm. Seven straight years. They were our starting lead guard, whatever you want to call it. How many games do you think those two guys missed? I'll have to. I'll have to say zero. Zero, Jamie. It's amazing. For seven straight years, we've had first team all league players there. Like mm -hmm. it's crazy. So, who's next? Well, yeah. <laughs> no, well, and then too, you talk about that during that seven year stretch. I mean, last year y'all ended up twenty one and twelve. You were thirteen and three, tied for the lead in the A Sun, which is the third time in the last six years you've either won the league outright or, 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 or you know, we're champion. Yeah, yeah been the champion of the league. What do you think it is about your program where you really kind of hit your stride and, and you're cruising now? Of, as you said before, you don't, you don't uh, necessarily rebuild, you reload. So the, the one thing is I think it's a couple-fold. Number one, I think we're really, really good. I think our staff is really, really good at evaluating talent that fits into our system. 
Mm-hmm. And we like bigger guards. Like Carter Hendrickson's a good example. He's 6'8", and he was 6'1 in ninth grade. Jaden was 6'4 in ninth grade. Now he's 6'10". Um, he's not a guard, but he's pretty close. <laughs> uh, yeah. but, 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 but like Garrett Sam, 6'7", Bo Beach, 6'9". Um, and now we got Jacob Cruz, 6'7", coming in. Um, uh, Garrett Hersey, 6'6", specialist. Uh, Josh Berenbaum, 6'8". Uh, Jonathan Abar, who people don't know about, but he's 6'9". His daddy's 6'11", played at FIU. Jane's daddy's in the Hall of Fame at William & Mary. Mm-hmm. So we're really, really good at finding guys. And what we do is we take layups and dunks and wide-open threes, and we try to defend layups and dunks and wide-open threes. That's exactly how we do it. Yeah. There's no secret to what we do. And we have guys that can make threes and take threes. And so the, 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 the key is really how – you know, we're one of the best assisted turnovers too. And we have continually found those guys to fit into the way we play. Mm-hmm. And when you look at our success, um, I, I learned this from Coach Drew, Jamie, and you'll really like this. Do you remember Lace Darius Dunn? Yes. So for those who don't know, Lace Darius Dunn ended up his career as the all-time leading scorer in Big 12 history. Let me rephrase that. All-time leading scorer in Big 12 history. Mm-hmm. Last uh, few years ago, Buddy Heald broke it mm-hmm. by like five points. I didn't want Lace Darius done. I told Coach Drew, you're making a huge mistake. This was the year he would have been a freshman the year we went to the NCAA tournament. So mm-hmm. our program was, you know, on the rise. I said, Coach, we've got Curtis Geralds, who had a Cup, a couple coffees in the NBA and also was all league, first team all league, and was also made gazoodles of money and still does playing overseas. We had Henry Dugat, who's still playing overseas. It was a over a thousand point score for us at 5'11. Mm-hmm. So we had uh, 6'1, 5'11. And we had a guy named Tweedy Carter, who was a McDonald's All American, who's still playing uh, professionally as well, too. Played at G League for a little bit and was about six foot. Yeah. I said, Coach, like, we can't take Lace Darius. Like, we, it, we're making a huge mistake. We're going to have turmoil. We're going to have friction. And we're right th- – Coach, we are right on the cusp <laughs> of getting to the NCAA. Like, we can't take them. Mm-hmm. And he said, Drisk, listen to me very carefully. Get the best players you can get and then figure out how to make it work. What? Drisk, get the <laughs> best players you can get and figure out how to make it work. Lace Darius Dunn never started one game as a freshman. He averaged 14 a game off the bench. He had 40 at South Carolina and 36 against Texas Tech, the last Big 12 game prior to the tournament. Mm-hmm. And technically, probably, led us to the NCAA tournament. Yeah. And I didn't want him. Yeah. Because Parker Smith, Led the country in scoring coming off the bench for us our first year Mm -hmm. because there was a purpose for that. So I I really feel like what we've been able to really do is figure out our niche, understand what that looks like, and then here's the key. Help those guys realize their dream but understand what they said their dream was. Oh, you want to be a pro? 
Well, here's what a pro does. These are this is what pros do right here. Yeah. When Epe Udo flew me up to the NBA draft in 2010, by the way, a great story. Mm -hmm. When he flew me up to the draft in 2010 to thank me, I like I know what a pro is, and I know what a pro does. Like this dude that says Brooklyn right here, he got a license plate when he signed at the University of North Florida. Let me show it to you. And by the way, the funny thing about the Epe Udo story. Jamie, you're going to love this. Okay. Guess who also was drafted in the first round at the eighth pick in the 2010 NBA draft? Who was that? El Farouk Aminu. And guess who was behind the stage getting his picture taken with his brother when Coach Driscoll was getting his picture taken with Epe, by the way, both Nigerians? Uh-huh. Who was back then? Wajid. No idea. No yeah. idea. But – Hey, how are you? Hey, good to see you. Hey, oh, you might be the next player. What's going on, right? Had no idea. He had no idea. How about that for you? I think your term is small world, right? Yeah. I call world. it a dot on the map. Yeah, Here's what he gets, Jamie. Oh, wow. To the NBA. Look at the – yeah. This is what he gets. UNF. Now, here's what's crazy. I never asked him, guess what number he wore at UNF? Two. Two, right? So, wore two for Brooklyn and wore two for us. I always thought it was his number and he was going to go to the NBA. I never asked him. I just told all the recruits that. Yeah. However, I go to find out. This is what he told me. He was 6'6". He said, Coach, I'm coming. We beat Iona, Hartford, Youngstown State, and Jacksonville. Mm -hmm. Coach Kennan did one of the most amazing things. We actually saved the scholarship for him because he was that important to us. Mm -hmm. We told him it was his whenever he wanted to accept it or not accept it. And Coach Kennan wrote him a shoebox full of cards that had, I think it was, I wish I have to ask Coach what the exact number was, 200 and some reasons. And I don't even know why the 200 and some. There was a reason behind it. I got to find that out. It's probably better for the story. 200 and some reasons why he should come to UNF. And he still has that shoebox to this day. Mm -hmm. And Bo said to me, Coach, I'm coming because I believe I'm going to help take us to the championship. I'm going to help take us to the NCAA tournament. A year earlier, we inducted the all-time leading scorer into our Hall of Fame who also coached with his dad, who also helped him become a really good player when he was young. Mm -hmm. And he was there at the introduction. And he said, Coach, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be in the Hall of Fame. Mm -hmm. And he said, I'm also going to the NBA. And when he got this license plate, he got made fun of. He got ridiculed. People thought he was a clown. Yeah, okay, right. Can barely dunk. You're going to go to the NBA. Yeah, okay. But he knew, and we knew, what it meant to be a pro. Mm -hmm. You've got to be all in. You've got to be all in nutrition. You've got to be all in sleep. You've got to be all in what you do on the floor. You can't confuse activity with achievement and spend two hours in the gym because you're not getting better. You get better in 30 to 40 minutes. Mm -hmm. You understand that less quick is better than more slow. And you don't miss a stretch. You don't miss a rehab. You don't miss extra treatment. 
We pay a lot of money for these people. It's free. You know what it costs your friends to go to the gym now at age 30? Like, it's free. There's people that have, they have things called stretch zones where they pay people to stretch them. You get it for free. But this kid lived it. And Jamie, the best thing is when he played for this jersey that's behind me right now, mm -hmm. when they played for the championship, when he became that night the person that everybody was talking about, when he became the person that got into vet camp for the Brooklyn Nets, when he became the person who, because of Mark Jones being a dear friend of mine, I sent this to him, and this is what they put on the screen of ESPN. Mm -hmm. Because he believed it, but he didn't just believe it. He embraced it with a purpose. Yeah. And so you want to be a pro? Awesome. This is what pros do. And that's something that we've really been able to, to really hang our hat on and really um, um, uh, coach through, almost like Coach Drew with his brother. You know, what he did with his brother at Valpo and the way in which he was a 16th pick in the NBA draft, had a six-year career. So I probably learned a lot of that as well, too, you know, subliminally um, from that. But, but a pretty, pretty neat in the way in which we're doing it. And here's something, too, Jamie, that a lot of people don't realize. This team that won this championship, mm -hmm. there's only two schools that have won their last two championships with completely different rosters. And we're one of them. Wow. So this team came in with expectations of back-to-back -back championships as freshmen, Garrett and Wajit. Mm -hmm. JT was sitting out that year. And they walk away four years later. Listen to this. The expectations and the pressures were through the roof. They were going to be, I know this because they told me, they were going to be the failures. They were going to be the team that didn't get it done. They were going to be the team that didn't hang a banner. They were going to be the ones that broke the, the ability to say that it's been a consistency. Mm -hmm. They were going to be that group. And to their credit, the expectations weren't too big. The elephant was always in the room. Mm -hmm. And the pressures never amounted to more than we all know that can be put on our plate. And that's where culture, that's where unity, that's where um, a sharing and serving, that's where many hands make late work, that's where communication prevents disaster, that's where all these things, accountability, come into play. And now they're walking across the stage, getting their degree, pointing to the banner, wearing the championship ring, and telling these dudes coming in, guess what? Right? Yeah. So that's why we know we've got it in a right place and we're going about it at the right. And the other thing too, Jamie, and, and I don't know where it, this kind of fits into kind of what you're talking about, but – we have to play all these money games mm -hmm. and we have to bring a lot of money into our university. It's normally six to seven a year. So every year we're owing six or owing seven every single year. Now we beat Purdue. We beat Illinois. We've mm -hmm. only beat two high majors. I think we're two and 
I should know this verbatim. I would, I will by the time media comes. We're like two and fifty-eight or two and whatever. Mm -hmm. But like money games, we played like whatever that is. Uh, Eleven times six is sixty-six plus some change. So we played, you know, seventy-two money games or seventy whatever. And when we play those games, we treat them the same. Like, listen to this, Jamie. That group that just won that championship, when they were sophomores, so Yvonne was a sophomore, just got to the team. Mm -hmm. We had seven new guys. That's another reason why we know that we can continue to do this thing by just reloading. Because we had seven new guys join those two freshmen. While Jay was freshman of the year and Garrett was runner-up. That group. Started off the season like this. Mm -hmm. Friday night at Michigan State, who was a preseason number one in Final Four. Saturday night at Michigan, who, by the way, went to the Final Four that year. Mm -hmm. And we were tied with about 8.30 to go after losing by 35 the night before. Traveling on Sunday and playing NCAA tournament at one of the hardest places in America to play, VCU, mm -hmm. who is going to press the living dog tail out of us after playing those two games and traveling, and we've got a very good look from three with two minutes to go to tie the game. And then we come home on Tuesday, and to be kind, I decided not to stay in a hotel Wednesday night <laughs> as we get beat by 40-plus to Florida. Wow. That's Friday to Wednesday. That was Thursday. Okay, Friday to Thursday. Wow, wow, wow. And just so you know, if you want to put a little bit of sprinkles on the top, we got on a bus and drove all the way to Spartanburg, got in at four in the morning on a Friday, mm -hmm. played Mount St. Mary's on Saturday at Wofford in the tournament, who obviously great coach, great team, been to the tournament. We missed the shot, the buzzer to tie it. And on that Saturday and on Sunday, we got to play Wofford. The same team, by the way, that beat Carolina at Carolina that year. Mm -hmm. And we missed a shot at the buzzer to tie that game, too. And that was the first six games of the year. <laughs> wow. Oh, Lord. And that's why, like, right now, our records are, are like, four games above 500 for 11 years. Mm -hmm. And people don't understand. We're 92-51 and 51 in the last six years against mid-majors. Mm -hmm. 92 and 51. Now that's something you should be talking about. Yeah. And by the way, 50 of those wins are by double digits or more. So we understand it's tough. We understand it's a tough road to haul, especially with that preseason. Like we played Liberty this year, Richie. I, I mean, like it's a high level first place game. Mm -hmm. And I'm watching the clips and I'm going through the clips and Richie and I are really good friends. And here's what it says. 19 and 1, 5 and 0 is playing 11 and 9, 4 and 1. You know what I mean? Yeah. But you have to kind of take the records away and Schedule really worry about apples to apples and compare. Like, for instance, we're 19 and 6 against mid majors. So when I look at analytics, and I'm a big analytic guy, I want to, I want analytics, I don't want analytics against Florida, Florida State, Iowa, Creighton, Dayton. And um, who am I missing? Um, they were great. Yeah. Syracuse. <laughs> that was our six money games this year. Wow. And by the way, Creighton was an incredible game. 
Mm-hmm. We're, we're winning uh, Creighton and Iowa, and our Garrett Sam's our leading scorer in play. Well, I bet, uh, too, those were fun games, too, because the way that they play, the way that you play, uh, yeah. lots, of, lots of shots, lots of threes. Yeah, and that was – I'll tell you what, man. You ever, have you ever been to a game of Creighton? I have not. So we're beating them, right? Uh-huh. Crowd's, you know, there's, it's probably half full. Crowd's pretty, pretty calm, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, they finally hit a shot to take the lead. Oh, my goodness. It got so – well, I've been in some places now. Woke them up. I mean, it was so loud. Yeah. That was – yeah, that was pretty cool. That's awesome. Um, and then kind of moving on from last year to this year, I mean, you're coming on, you know, tied for the A-Sun lead and stuff, and what could have been had the season finished, 13-3 um, and three in, in the conference. You lose four of your top five scores, but the one you have coming back, Carter, uh, Carter who we talked about previously, 15-7. and seven. He's coming back for his junior year. What are you expecting from him? What steps do you expect him to take leading into next season to, to, to lead this team? Well, after he got recruited really hard to transfer sure. uh, and decided not to, I actually met with him and Dallas and told both of them, if you want to leave, I'll help you. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if you want to go and you think it's better for you, I'll help you. And um, the one thing about this kid – that's interesting about him is he really is a lot more like Frank Young. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is as a freshman, his entire season was like this, eight minutes, 20 minutes, eight minutes, 20 minutes, whatever. We were really good. Mm-hmm. He had a guy average a double-double forward. It was playing going to play Providence. He should have been on this year's team. He's playing at Providence next year, by the way. Mm-hmm. And Carter – the game before his quote-unquote breakout game, he played nine minutes mm-hmm. in a road win at Jacksonville. Nine minutes. I didn't even know that until I went back and got prepared for this year's media. And then after the JU game, we had to throw Noah Horkler off the team. We, were just, we had lost six games in a row. That'd be a good story for another day. Mm-hmm. And we were in the process of winning seven in a row. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we were like three in a row maybe or four. We were something like that. Three in a row. And we're going to play Liberty, who's the best team in the league, mm-hmm. at home. And we just threw off the team a guy averaging a double-double. And Carter's going to start. How about that one? Yeah. So, you know, unbeknownst to me, and you talk about, well, Coach, where is your leadership lie? Um, what do leaders look like? When do leaders know they have those, those times? Garrett Sams, which is another great story, by the way. He transferred, just so you know. That's another great story for you. Kids need to hear that story. Yeah. But he stayed for the right reasons. Garrett Sams went to that kid's house. Well, they all live together. You know, they all live in the same yeah. complex on campus. He went to that kid's apartment, and he told him, just be you. We don't need him. Just be you. We don't need him. Not meaning we don't need Noah, meaning we don't need you to think you have to get us a double-double. Mm-hmm. And I, I had no idea he did that. Yeah. None. And um, so the next day comes. It's Friday. So it's Friday. So it's Wednesday night we beat JU. Thursday night or Thursday, all this stuff goes down. And 
Friday, this kid's starting, and Saturday we're playing the best team in the league. Yeah. <laughs> and um, we're down 13 with eight and some change to go. Mm-hmm. And we win by five. Um, I don't want to say going away, but we didn't have to foul. Or, we won by five. Mm-hmm. And um, But Carter understood, and he had so much – almost like what you said earlier – he had so much confidence in himself. He, he always has better bet on himself. Mm-hmm. And um, he knew this is where he was supposed to be. And we always talk about this saying that Abe Lincoln had, of course, is I will be prepared. Mm-hmm. Perhaps my chance will come. Because the worst thing for young people is for them to run their mouth, run their mouth to someone, run their mouth to someone who gets back to you or their family runs their mouth to someone or their family runs their mouth to you. And then all of a sudden, this person is like thrusted into that place. Okay, it's here. What are you going to do? And then they melt, mm-hmm. right? What's a jelly bean, right? Or on the outside and they melt on the inside. Yeah. And Carter, you know, he just, he just figured it, you know what? This must be my path. So I'm just going to go with it. And from then on, obviously it's been, you know, it's, the rest is history. But again, he always believed. He always did the right things. He always practiced like a pro and prepared like a pro. And, you know, so I, I think as we move through things and as we continue to build, you know, this next group. So here's something really crazy. And I can't make this up. Mm-hmm. The number of people that should have been on this team this year, right? We have a kid going to the College of Charleston that was, should have been on his team. He's really talented. You're going to love him. Uh, Cameron uh, Copeland, you're going to love him. He's a pro. He's a pro. Probably the most talented player we had ever signed from a, just a natural talent perspective mm-hmm. out of Georgia. Um, he's going to be really talented. Love Cameron. So three years ago, we had seven new guys join the team. Yvonne. Mm-hmm. Ryan Burkhart, who's still on the team. Noah Horkler, double-double, no longer on the team. Wes Morgan, never made it through September. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Trip Day was all freshman, averaged 13 a game, playing 21 minutes as a freshman. Mm-hmm. Microfracture surgery as a 10th grader, had to retire, was on the, supposed to be on the team this year. Mm-hmm. Emmanuel Lambright who was arguably, we were debating, he had three years left to be a sophomore this year. We were debating because we read he, had, he got hurt. Mm-hmm. We were debating if he was going to start this year and kind of where he was going to fit in the, in the deal. He can't come back from his Achilles injury that he got doing a missions trip by taking medicine. He didn't know. Yeah. He had diarrhea. Yeah. But it attacked his Achilles. Wow. And he never could recover. So he retired as well in December. We had two guys retire this year. People don't even know that. People, yeah. people don't even remember that. And then a guy named Brian Coffey, who, to his credit, wanted to play more. And he was behind Yvonne. So there's only one dude left out of those seven, yeah. which is it, – it's crazy. But this group we have coming in, six of them are freshmen. Mm-hmm. And we signed in November 6-6, You're hitting on every part of my next question. <laughs> and then we got our first COVID mm-hmm. kid, 
because Coach Perkins and Coach Gibson did an incredible job making a video. And we got our first COVID kid mm -hmm. whose daddy scored thir almost 1,300 points at Lipscomb. And his mom played at Alcorn State, by the way. And he's from Nashville. Mm -hmm. And you know what? That happens. I mean, Garrett Sams was from right down the street. Yeah. When he wanted to transfer, I called Belmont. Coach Price said, man, we, yeah, we, we probably may have missed on – they didn't have a scholarship. He said, we probably missed on him. But you can't sign everybody. Yeah. So we got him out of – and he's, like, really, really good. He's runner up to Mr. Basketball. And he's, you know, six foot four, six foot five, and big-time IQ and all that kind of – and then we just signed a guy named Alande Legrand who, like, his story, Jamie, mm -hmm. is – like, every kid should hear this kid's story. A walk-on at Fairfield mm -hmm. who was told he was going to get a scholarship. At the end of the year, they told him, we don't think you're good enough. He goes to junior college, so he's got two years to play for Matt Brown, who I told you before does high academic guys. Mm -hmm. He's from Harlem. So now he's in State Fair, which is obviously in the middle of nowhere. He has a very, very good season. And he doesn't, like, he, he doesn't want to stay there, but he can. But he has three years left. Yeah. So he's like, man, I'm going to go to my final. And he's an unbelievable student. He goes to Detroit with three years left. And by the way, Detroit Mercy is a big-time academic school, mm -hmm. Jesuit school. And again, he's you know, three, eight, three, nine in business. And he's phenomenal. Great human being. Mm -hmm. Right. He starts 20 games. He starts 20 games. And they're like, you know what? We really think we need some other pieces. We need some other parts. We're not going to renew your scholarship. Wow. So we get him. And he's a six, seven league guard. Wow. He was six foot four in ninth grade and played the point for his high school. Mm -hmm. uh, he actually went to a, a, a private school north of um, a, a boarding school north of, of Harlem yeah. up in, um, up in, up in uh, Connecticut, but, but or Massachusetts. But my point is that again, it's all about niche mm -hmm. and it's all about your fit and you've got to go to a place that's a fit, you know, and sometimes you think you're making the right choices and there's another good JUCO story for you, Coach. You know, he went he, – he, he used JUCO for the right reason. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're really excited about – and, again, like it's not – like check this out. Tuesday night, SMU. Wednesday night, Texas A&M. Fly back Thursday. Friday, Saturday, whatever. Mm -hmm. Georgia – at Georgia Southern on Monday – at Florida on Wednesday, at Gonzaga on Friday, at Oregon the following Monday. Wow. So I figured if we treat these same seven the same way we treated the last seven. Yeah. Right? You'd be all right. Right? If you always do what you always did, you always get what you always got. <laughs> so ain't no sense in, in, in jacking around with that. So with the seven coming in, you mentioned the size. They're all 6'3 to 6'10, with five of them being 6'6 plus. What were you looking for when you were bringing this class in? Like, what was your goal in, in, in going out for this class? So we had Emmanuel Adedoyan, mm -hmm. who was already a 6'1 lead guard. 
And we have a guy sitting out, by the way, that everybody forgot about who played about 15 to 17 minutes a game at UMBC the year after they beat Virginia. Mm -hmm. Averaged about six and a half a game. Had some really good games for him. Transferred back to us and sat out this year. He's about 6'2", 6'1". So we had those two guys already. And we just, they're both going to be sophomores. Mm -hmm. So we're like, let's just go get size, get length, and get those – like positionless, interchangeable parts, hybrids, mix and match, animals, whatever you want to call them. You know, that, that's what we do. Uh-huh. And what's crazy is the one thing we do know is if one of those two guys gets hurt, well, we have to have another dude. Mm-hmm. So that's why Chaz was so huge because he can play the lead guard. So Chaz can play all that stuff. And he's six foot five, mm-hmm. four. So, and then Alonde comes along at 6'7 and can play the lead guard. He started against Toledo because Coach's son was sick. That's the video that, that took it over the top for me. Yeah. Here's a great recruiting story. Coach Perkins on a Monday sent me an email. The kid emailed him. Like, who's reading this stuff, right? Yeah. He sends it to me. And the kid looks miserable in his picture. He's like this. I can't stand those. Yeah. I'm like, and he, uh, and he gets, sends me his stats, and he has like, you know, like one assist or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. two, you know whatever. I'm like, nah, I ain't even, I didn't bother with him. Yeah. Coach Evans, unbeknownst to him, sent me the same email on a Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And when the email comes and I'm ready to delete it, I look and you know what I saw? What's that? The same miserable face. And I thought to myself, I've seen that face before. (laughs) So I look at the email and Coach Evans talked to the assistant. Mm -hmm. And then he watched the Toledo game or Bowling Green game, one of those two. Mm -hmm. And where he played the lead, because he, he knew I want a lead guard. Yeah. And he's like, Coach, watch, forget the highlights. Watch this game in its entirety. And the next day we talked to him, the next day we offered, and he was done in a week. I, 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 you know, it's just, I can tell you story after story after story. We don't mass mail. Mm-hmm. We don't do any of that stuff. We just don't believe in it. Yeah. And if you do, it's okay. When I was at Baylor and you were a tier one guy, Mm -hmm. every assistant sent you a note every single day, six days a week. Wow. So you're getting 24 plus code. You're getting 30 a week. So I I came from that, you know, that era. But we just do it a little bit differently. You talked earlier about – in, in your program, be different. You said that you had, uh, got your defensive stuff from Shiat. You said you got your offensive stuff from uh, Coach Drew at Baylor. Except the zone I got from Coach Drew. Kind of what are your concepts that you shoot for? I know that you said layups, dunks, and open threes on offense. But what are some kind of conceptual things? What are some advanced analytics that you all really try to thrive at? Like if you do these five things within the, the course of a game, you're going to be you, – you have a good chance of winning. 
So with that statement, you don't mind if I share something with you, do you? Sure. So I think with that statement, I think this will set it best to you. And, and this is an outlier of a year a little bit for us. Mm -hmm. um, um, but, but so let me just make it a little bit smaller. There you go. So that's when you look at our analytics. So layups and dunks, 57%. So we really teach finishing. We really teach the nuances of finishing. We really teach bank swishes. We really teach playing through your ear and toe. We really teach making sure your eyes are on the target completely to the floor. We really teach deliver the bump to take the jump. So we teach right hand, left hand, inside hand, quickies, reverse micins, regular micins. Um, we do it in a various of ways. Nothing that's earth shattering nor rocket science. A lot of it with music. For instance, we do a car wash drill. Um, finishing drill where their guys are getting hit with foam noodles like a car wash and mm -hmm. we're playing car wash. Um, the extended version, by the way, Coach Evans' is favorite, favorite version. But then we're looking at, at taking threes. And if you look here, this is just the league game. This is 18 games, 16 leagues plus the two tournament games. And we took almost as many layups and dunks as threes. And people thought we were just a high-level three-point team. But that's what we truly do. And conversely, Jamie, well, here, let me finish this. So in 18 games, we took 53 long twos. So you can see what we don't do in our program. And obviously, we're a really good free throw shooting team. We led the league again this year. And then conversely, defensively, it's the same scenario. Now, we weren't as good at the rim this year that we had, than we had been. What did was phenomenal. Um, but we weren't as good as we had been. But we gave, made teams take 221 long twos. This is actually high for us. It's usually yes. in the 30s. For whatever reason, they made shots. And for whatever reason, they really made shots at the manhole this year. But we also gave up only 68 threes in 18 games. That's like three and some change. Yeah. And so make a look at this. Teams took as many long twos as they did threes. So, you know, we really believe, and we don't foul. You can see, um, um, you know, we're not a high-level foul team uh, as well. Um, so so that, when you look at it analytically and how we coach it, so do you ever let a kid take a mid-range pull-up three? Yes. Um, do we try to coach them out of it? Yes. Do we know they come in a lot of guys taught that way? Yes. Do we teach them how to take side dribble separation, step back, uh, catch rip downhill, catch rip uphill threes. Yes. Do they become really talented at it? Yes. Kawhi Leonard is a great example. 2018-19, Kawhi Leonard shot 42% on shots from 15 to 24 feet. 42%. But let me tell you why Nick Nurse was smart enough to let him shoot that shot. Because he's a Hall of Fame player. And he allowed him to shoot that shot. He didn't take up, you know – he took about as many of those as he did threes up. But you know what he shot from three? 36.6, 37%, which equates to 54% he converted to two-pointers. Mm -hmm. So he actually is a much better three-point shooter and would have given them a better bang for their buck. But if you remember, when he came into the league, he wasn't a very good shooter. Yeah. And Chip England, of course, is world-renowned by making him who he is as a shooter. However, when you look at your analytics and you play that way, so when guys get – made to put the ball on the floor. We want to go to the rim. We want to get to the layups and dunks. 
we want to get to the good, better, best. Never let it rest. Your good's better and your better best. Thank goodness, Duncan's grandmother. And we want to make sure that we're spraying and playing. Mm-hmm. And when you're spraying and playing, you can get that next one. And, and you can continue to play through that. So from an analytics standpoint and, and a way in which we address or in the way in which we approach is probably a better word, um, the offense and defensive sides of it, that's why we do what we do with the way in which we do it. Um, has it cost us playing the zone? Probably. Have we won a whole lot more playing the zone? Yes. When we won the 15 championship, we played mostly all man. When we won the 16 championship, we played mostly all zone. Mm-hmm. This year, we played mostly all zone. So does that mean next year we'll be mostly all zone because we're longer and we're that? Well, no. Maybe this team is that's some more. They have a little bit uh, more of some stuff. Maybe they'll be a better, um, in our eyes, a better man-to-man team. So that that'll be you know to be seen. But but we feel that the way in which we recruit and the and the way in which we play, it's so easy to plug and play for us. Mm-hmm. And, and we're not – when we talked about you and I earlier, you used the word Jimmy's and Joe's, and I said players make plays. When we have those guys on the floor, like, we know that the concepts are what really is what's critical. Mm-hmm. How people are going to guard us and what they're going to try to take away from us, that's what's Now can you have these intermingling parts where one time the guy's running the rim, the next time he's running the wing, the next time he's the trail, the next time he's bringing the ball to the floor. The same guy in a four-minute media span would be the lead guard, a guard running the wing, a a guy running the rim, or a guy taking it out being the trail. So when you have those kind of players that you – think about this, James. Let's say Alondo is playing at 6'7", the lead guard for us. Mm-hmm. And let's just say the guy beside him is 6'6". Because mm-hmm. it's, it's a pretty good chance. That means the other three guys behind him are like 6'7", 6'8", 6'9". 6'8", 6'9", 6'10". Like we could be – Six, 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 seven, six, eight, six, nine, six, ten. Yeah. And maybe playing man to man. Yeah. Well, that's a good zone team because that's a good man to man team too. Yes. So, I'm super excited. And I know I'm. I'm an energy guy. I, I love life, um, and I and I appreciate life. But I'm super excited, mm-hmm. even though we may not be able to touch them. Even though, and I mean touch them, I mean like be with them physically in the summer. Yeah. But even though we may not be able to be with them physically in the summer, I'm still so excited because right now they're working so hard. Because, Jamie, here's what they know. In 12 years, the coaches have told every recruit, you're not starting, you're not promised minutes, and we're not unintelligent. We're going to play the guys who give us the best opportunity to win at this particular given time. And guess what? It might change tomorrow. It might change the next game. It might change based on who we're playing. It might change whatever. But what doesn't change is the way in which you approach every single day. And if you do it the right way and approach it the right way, and that competitiveness is there, and you have that message, that's where you get culture. Because it's all culture is is a feeling. Mm-hmm. It's a feeling. 
I mean, you see, you know what it looks like when you see it. Like I'm doing it. I have over 2,000 clips I just clipped of our defense. And I'm breaking it down. And I can't tell you how many times our guys smack hands in transition defense. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, this is unbelievable. And I didn't see it. I didn't know it. But that's how much our guys love each other. Yeah. And want to be there for each other. So as this summer unfolds, and as we're allowed to do different things with the signees once they graduate and with our current guys, non-physical, but we can still do stuff. That team, that understanding, that no, 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 we touch lines. No, no, no. If coach says 10, it means 10. No, 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 no. If Brian Burke says eight reps, it means eight. No, 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 no. We don't do things. That, no, we don't leave the locker room like that. No, we don't not have our shirt tucked in. No, we don't do this in a hotel. No, we don't wear hats inside buildings. No disrespect to you. So all this stuff that transpires to the floor. Because between the black lines, they've got to be like this. So you mentioned that you're high energy, that you're an energy guy and all this stuff. I have to ask about your let's go viral video that you had. The, 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 the one it's uh, <laughs> yes, has 113,000 views on YouTube and all that kind of stuff. What's the story kind of surrounding that let's go? Well, let me tell you a better story. Uh, first of all, I've been doing it. I'd like to say since I started being a head coach uh-huh. here, but I actually don't remember. Yeah. But I had been doing it for several years, like you saw in the video. And it would always be at the end, prior to going out. And I'd have to ask some of my older guys. As a matter of fact, I probably need to do that. So ESPN asked, can they come in the locker room? And I said, yeah, And when we won the championship, when ESPN was in the locker room, I don't remember if they showed it or not, but I did it. Yeah. And when I did it, it went viral. I mean, it went viral like that. Uh-huh. And what's nuts is how many people, first of all, should have traded it, should have trademarked it. <laughs> Second of all, how many people use it? So, for instance, NBA, uh-huh. Major League Baseball, ESPN used it, uh, football's used it, yeah. um, hockey's used it. Used it. So here's the two best. LeBron used it last year. I don't know if you remember. Mm-hmm. He used it, uh, I think, for the start of the season or something. Yeah. And it got like 1.8, 2 point some million. But the year before, so two years ago, uh-huh. March, like 16th to 19th, and I, I have this pretty, pretty weird. Her name was, was LeBronzy James. Not LeBron, LeBronzy. Uh-huh. And she had about 500,000 plus followers. Uh-huh. And she used it because I had someone send it to me and said, you've come full circle. She said in her tweet, this is how I feel while I'm waiting for my menstrual medicine to kick in. <laughs> and it went viral. Yeah, they were like like million and some views. That's that's funny. So you know, it's become a you know, um, it's interesting. Trick day, mm-hmm. and I don't have it up here. 
I have it on my phone. Trip Day, when we signed him as a high school kid, he drew it. And I still use it sometimes in my tweets. So if you ever see a, a hand-drawn version, yeah, it's by Trip Day, one of my players. That's pretty awesome. I yeah. I've married some of my players and officiated yeah. the wedding, you know. And, and um, But, yeah, this has yeah, become this a, um, a big deal. Um, yeah. Get recruits um, um, when we do different stuff. Um, no doubt. It's, it's, it's a big thing that everybody knows about. Everybody can resonate. Everybody's seen it. Um, so you had mentioned earlier, too, about the, uh, about the culture. Every coach wants to have an identity for their team. They, they, they want to build a team and all that kind of stuff. What would you say going a little bit more in depth? What is that culture at the University of North Florida? Well, it's, it's, it's really those, those, those values that I showed you uh, mm-hmm. up on the wall. I mean, that's what it is. But I think when you see all that stuff on the wall or hear people talk about stuff and, and all that whatever, I think sometimes what gets lost is, like I said earlier, it's really a feeling. Mm-hmm. And, and I think this clip kind of shows it better for you. So I'm going to share my screen with you. Okay. And, and I'm not going to tell you the whole story. You see this clip? Yep. I'm not going to tell you the whole story because this kid right here, Mm-hmm. Is a scored almost sixteen hundred points for us. He's the kid that was the runner-up player, a freshman of the year. He's the kid that quit. Okay. And then a month later, came back, but we didn't have a scholarship. And I said, you, I said, you, you know, you you have to you have to leave. Yeah. And then God being so good, a kid that we were trying to get went to some other school. Praise God, and we brought him back. Uh huh. But I'm going to show you a clip. Before I show you this clip, I want you to know something. Things that I tell you, I'm just telling you because you're asking questions. Mm-hmm. This has nothing to do with me. Mm-hmm. This is a much greater force. There's a much greater understanding of why things are the way they are at the University of North Florida. It's way, way, way bigger than us. Mm-hmm. However, we have nine managers, Jamie. Nine, nine who make no money mm-hmm. they get they nothing they don't even split the scholarship they barely ever travel we give them some clothes mm-hmm. they get smoothies and food when guys get that because mm-hmm. i'm not going to treat them any less but they're treated just like everyone else yeah they're a human being they're part of what we do. Our two seniors this year, one was the two of the biggest positions you ever have to have, in my opinion, is the guy that keeps the clock and the guy that does the video. Mm-hmm. Probably the most non-sexy manager things there are to do. Because I want to be on the floor and I want to be on the pad and I want to I want to get in there and talk to the coach and I want to be in a – right? Yeah. Them two dudes are so critical. And our two seniors were those two dudes this year. Mm-hmm. The, be, the, the clock guy is going to go work for Tampa Bay Devil Rays because he's a baseball guy. And he only became a manager because he was Dallas Moore's friend. And he asked Dallas, do you think I could do it? And we don't turn anyone away. We've gotten rid of people, but we don't turn people away. Because mm-hmm. many hands may like work, as you can read behind me. And number two, the video guy 
his whole dream, his whole life was to be a basketball player. Mm-hmm. He was bullied so bad growing up that he, he thought several times to do what we don't want anyone to do. But you know what, Jamie? Jamie, guess what he's going to do next year? What's that? He's going to the NBA. Oh, wow. He's going to be an analytic guy in turn for Oklahoma City. That's awesome. So, again, just like me, I was better than Scott Scouts than Isaiah Thomas, but I figured out shortly that I wasn't going to get to the league. But I knew basketball. So, the reason I say that to you is watch this. So, this is a game. We're coming out of a timeout. We're getting ready to get pressed. And we're going to take the ball out full court. So, we're going uh, this way. So there's two guys who clean the floor on both ends of the court. Mm-hmm. Oh, there you go. That's Cole. That's who we yeah. are. And I'm going to tell you why. Number one, if you if saw you it, there's no words spoken. Mm-hmm. Number two, both of these guys, he's a freshman. Mm-hmm. By the way, he's got his real estate business too. He was a really good high school player but he wanted to get into coaching. This kid's from Wisconsin, can shoot the piss out of it. See, he's like birds of trade manager, he's perfect for us. Played low uh, division three basketball, but mm-hmm. he didn't, well, he wanted to get into coaching. And they're both first year players and this is a season. Yeah. But these guys don't get paid anything. They rebound for him every single day, but they got a relationship with him. They got a relationship with him. He treats them like human beings. Mm-hmm. He eats with them in the calf. He kicks it with them on the training room. He hangs out with them in practice. They open up the gym and come rebound for him if he, if, if, if he asks them to. But there's a genuine relationship. Yeah. And to me, that's what culture is all about. The genuineness of what you're trying to do. Like, are you really trying to do the next right thing, no matter what it is. Are you really going to suffer together? Because joy is easy. Mm-hmm. Are you going to really love one another enough to tell one another what you really need to tell them in the time that's more difficult to tell them? Me included, as an assistant. Yeah. And we're always having this, these values behind them. And this, what you see this video, it's 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 a part like I, like I'm in tune with our man. Like I I want to know. I want to know what you're doing. I want to know what's going on. I want I want to. So when we talk family, we talk family. And and so I think when you think about and how does that equate? It equates to the locker room. It equates back to the apartment. It equates to the bus. It equates to the hotel. It equates to I'm not playing. It equates to a guy in the locker room that's not matching up with what they need that they got to come at him, that they got to talk with him, they've got to help him understand. That's the thing I think we'll miss the most about summer, not getting on the floor. I think that time in the locker room, they can help these seven new people. Because here's the thing, Jamie, those seven new people, they've got to come and be 15 hours. They've got to come and go to study hall. They've got to come and live in a new dormitory they haven't lived in all summer. They've got to come and learn campus, which they haven't been able to learn all summer. They've got to come and learn uh, what it is in which we do, the way in which we do them. We're high level. We're in and out. Knock it out. Knock it out. Let's knock it out. Let's knock it out. You hear me say it all the time. Let's go. Let's knock it out. Let's knock it out. We're not punching the clock. Right yeah. now, in Bugs Bunny, remember the the, the guys that come over? Oh, yeah. Hey, you're going to punch the clock. We ain't doing that. So, so 
They got to come in and get all that stuff thrown at them. Eight hours. Plus in five weeks, they're going to boot camp and they're going to 20 hours. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot that's going to be thrown at these young people. So this summer, that's what we've got to help these guys understand that, how and what the culture looks like and what it sounds like and do the best we can with this Zoom technology and, and the way in which you can do certain things with it. But to us, and, and the other thing too is we're very, you know, sometimes you're great strength, great witness. We're, we're very transparent and we tell guys the way it is. If you don't, don't lie, you don't have to remember. Yeah, if you don't lie, you don't have to remember anything. So, and if you don't want to know the answer to the question, don't ask the question, Will Wilson. When you come mm -hmm. to my office as a sophomore and you come in at Thanksgiving and you say, Coach, what can I do to play? You ain't playing anymore. Like, I'm not playing three of you. I ain't doing it. You ain't playing. And if you want to leave, leave. Yeah. And if you want to wait and leave at the end of the season, leave at the end of the season. You're a great kid, a great student. I think I love you. But you ain't playing. You had your chance. I told you. What were you doing in the summer? What were you doing? I showed you. I, I, you had every opportunity. You ain't playing. Now, if you become a bad human being, I'm going to get rid of you so fast, it's going to be so hard for you to transfer. Because people respect our program. I don't want to leave, Coach. I don't want to leave, Coach. I don't want to... Well, guess what? He didn't leave. And guess what he did? He came back and fought harder. And guess what? He didn't play. But guess what? The guy got hurt. And as soon as the guy got hurt, I will be prepared to ask my chance with Kim. He played 20 minutes a game. The guy who's playing behind graduated, and he started for two years. His last two years Yeah. So, like, like, we're going to play the dudes we feel. We're going to give us the best opportunity to win. But that's culture. And that – he coaches in, in, in Jacksonville, and he comes back to practice. And I always bring that up to all the players because they need to hear that. They need to understand that. It's not easy. You mm -hmm. said it earlier. And we tell our guys this all the time. We ain't trying to be average. Ain't nobody paying for average. Average gets you beat. It gets you beat. We ain't trying to be average. So you got to understand that. And we don't believe, and we tell our guys this, you do not deserve to have a bad day. I don't deserve a bad day. So don't say, well, I'm just off. It's just, I'm just one, it's my day to have a bad day. No, you don't. No, it's not. Don't think that way. Just do the next right thing, take the next shot, we'll figure it out. I, I love that mentality, too. That's kind of how you can ask my wife. That's kind of how I – a lot of things that you said within that whole thing is kind of how I go about my day-to-day -day as well. Uh, do you shoot threes? <laughs> I do. I do. It, oh, sorry. I got, Let me rephrase that. Can you make threes? <laughs> oh, I'm Everybody about to say, likes to be a taker, but we need makers. I'm about to say, I could take the hell out of a three. Yeah, ever since I got to be 35, I hadn't stepped inside the three-point line on either side of the floor. So. <laughs> you sound like some of my guys at 18. <laughs> um, so you mentioned the summer. You mentioned, you know, the fact that, you know, analytics and, and, and uh, coaching and film study, but also having your hands on the kids and, and, and helping groom them and stuff. NCAA just came across with the June 1st or letting uh, people come back on campus and stuff with teams. Do y'all have a plan of attack as to how y'all going to go about the, uh, from June 1st moving forward? First of all, it's voluntary. Voluntary. That's the first thing that, that people have to get an understanding of, which at some schools, voluntary doesn't mean it, but it's supposed to. Um, we actually, Jamie, we don't ever touch our guys until June 20th-ish. <laughs> So from April 20th till June 20th, 60 straight days, our guys are gone. Mm -hmm. It's awesome. It's awesome for us, and it's awesome for them. Mm -hmm. So we're really normal 
However, as of right now, the day of this filming, we are not going to have anyone on summer classes on campus until July 31st. Okay. So because of that, it doesn't matter what the NCAA or the state or the local, because, you know, Florida has been doing a really great job with different stuff phases. Mm -hmm. We're not doing it. And we're one of several, but not all, schools in our league. Well, Coach, it's an unfair advantage. I, can't, I can only control what I can control. Yeah. So the fact that other schools can do it, there's nothing I can do. Other schools don't have to play the schedule. We have to play either. But I can either sit here and cry and complain or figure out a way to make it help us. So we're figuring out a way right now through Zoom and through video and all that stuff I've been telling you I've been working on to build this stuff and have these lessons and have these different plans and ways in which we can do the best we can. Mm -hmm. Have mobility workouts for them. They can get off teamworks. Have a rise in recovery, a stretching program they can use. Have a yoga session that's on video that they can watch. Have a Superman or a superhero session of weights you can do without a weight room with just body weights and those things. Have an interval training sprint thing. Because when you show them us on transition and you say to them, guys, what did I just send you this for? Mm -hmm. Because you're trying to tell us, coach, we play really fast. We better be in. Yes. Bingo. So, you know, you have these things. And here's the other thing. We lost all that stuff you said we lost. Mm -hmm. We technically have one starter coming back. We have six, not counting the walk-on, we have six guys coming back including the kids sitting out mm -hmm. that wants to be part of those four and seven new coming in. So they understand. And we don't make a secret of it. Like Emmanuel Adedoyan, since his end of the season, actually all season long with Jose being a red shirt, he's been told, listen, because Yvonne's gone does not mean you're sliding over. And Jose, just because you've been sitting out and you can play the lead guard doesn't mean you're going to be the guy. Mm -hmm. And whoever we signed doesn't mean you're going to be. But you know what? Put all that together. When Dallas Moore was a freshman, like nobody even knows this. I don't even think I've said this publicly, Jamie. So here's a, here's a carrot for you. We signed Devin Wilson, a junior college point guard. Mm -hmm. We had Sean Brennan, a freshman we signed. We had Dallas Moore, a freshman we signed. We had a guy coming back named Ray Rodriguez, who was 17 minutes a game. Who had 17 at Lipscomb as a freshman, won the game for us. Mm -hmm. Who was probably, in his eyes, going to be the starter. And then we signed the Juco kid, and probably they all start thinking, oh, my goodness, the Juco kid's going to be the starter. But you know what we had to do? I get paid to win games. Mm -hmm. And our job, our job was a feel-good job. We'd sign a gazillion people. Because I like a lot of people. Yeah. But the bottom line is, like, we got to find somebody that can run this deal, that can drive this Lamborghini. So we were going to figure it out, just like Coach Drew talking. And the very first scrimmage, the junior college kid started. Mm -hmm. And that was it for him. <laughs> and then Dallas Moore, you know, we didn't realize who Dallas Moore was. But the beauty of it is, Sean Brennan, had an incredible Division II career. He came in our office at the end of the year. Never was a disruption. Mm -hmm. Had 18 points in one game earlier in the year. And he came in and he says, Coach, listen, I'm, I'm never going to play in front of Dallas more and I want to play. So mm -hmm. I'm a transfer. 
That makes sense. Yeah. I, I don't, I, how am I going to argue with that? Yeah. <laughs> we didn't know all that. We just thought we were, you know, recruiting the right kids at the right time to, you know, to do what we were trying to do. Mm -hmm. So I guess my point to you is it, it's, it's, it's really the way in which, and, and we're so, like, we just, like, guys, this is what it's going to be like. You know, Garrett Sams is transferring. He's given waters to our guys at workout. Mm -hmm. He told a kid on his visit in front of his family who's taking his scholarship, not taking it, but he, the scholarship he gave up, mm -hmm. Emmanuel Lambright's family, he said, he said like, you got to come here. Like, you, like, these dudes are great dudes. Like, you need to sign. Like, they're going to develop you. They're going to love you. And I'm sitting there saying to myself, but he was homesick, he thought. He lived 12 hours away. And he thought that was, you know. Mm -hmm. And really, him going home for spring break and realizing, oh, boy, it's not the same as when I was here before. Yeah. And then Bo Beach. Bo Beach tore his ACL that year. First time he ever got hurt, obviously. I told you he played every game. Tore his ACL at the G League and was doing rehab. And they loved Garrett, had a relationship with Garrett. And Bo never said, man, you're running tell it, man. You're... Bo just was like, oh, okay, no, if you want to do that, they ask me. Yeah, and Bo texted him, hey, what you doing, bro? He said, I'm in the library studying for Final He said, uh, I'm going to come over and hang out with you. So Bo went over to the library, hung out with him. They get done. And Garrett says to Bo, you know, I've really been thinking about this a lot. I think I'm making a bad decision. And Bo said, well, call coach. He's like, you think? He's like, well, you better call coach. Because if I tell coach you told me that, coach is going to be pissed that I didn't call. Yeah. Right? So we're coming back from recruiting. It was the last weekend of April recruiting. He calls me on the phone, and it's Sunday. And he says, coach, it's the week of finals, so he's going home that Thursday for good. Mm -hmm. And he says, Coach, I, 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 I think we need to have – I think I'm making a mistake. I said, Garrett, listen to me. I'm not talking to you right now. I'm coming home tonight. Let's have breakfast tomorrow. So we go to Waffle House for three hours. Mm -hmm. And I said, I love you, and that's awesome, and I'm so glad you matured through this, and I'm glad you listened and wise counsel and all this stuff. But we ain't got a scholarship. And then Monday night, the kid called and said, Coach, I'm going somewhere else. And then – Called Garrett and said, "Welcome back, baby. Let's go." Yeah, wow. but but again, but again, how we treat him, like coach, like like Brian Coffey when he came in the office, like oh, you're gonna play behind Yvonne. Like now, the next year, now do we redshirt him? Do we not redshirt him? Well, I don't know if we can do that because you know it's a hundred thirty thousand, hundred fifty thousand dollars scholarship. Like it's a business. Like like you're getting paid to play. Mm -hmm. I can't just redshirt you to redshirt you. What if it's wrong to hurt? And he said, Coach, I really want to play. And I said, well, it's in your best interest to go. And that's how we ended up getting Emmanuel Adedoyan. And then, Jamie, here's a thing you don't understand about recruiting. So we offer a kid in this class as a lead guard because we thought Brian Coffey was going to be a senior. So we thought, Yvonne leaving, Brian Sr., let's bring in a freshman and groom them, right? This is before Manuel had a door. Well, Brian leaves. Yvonne's going to be a senior. We bring in this freshman. Now we got one scholarship left. 
this this Jose Placier, who we recruited our tails off with earlier in his career, who went to UMBC, is now transferred. Mm-hmm. So we sit down as a staff and we say, listen, we had five scholarships. Should we use one of our scholarships on another freshman? Or since we got Emmanuel, we got Yvonne, we know JT can slide over and Garrett can play the lead guard if he gets hurt. Not the same, but still can play it. Let's let's take a transfer that we know is a lead guard. He can learn our system. He can sit out. He can do all this stuff. And then we can have two that are already in the system. And now we don't have to sign a high school kid mm-hmm. who's a six foot, six one, six one. So that's what we do. Well, guess what? All those kids in the class of 2020 that we offered, we don't need your commitment. Mm-hmm. So I got a kid that calls me and says, Coach, I'm ready to commit. And I tell him, We're not going to take his commitment. And he gets bent out of shape. Coach gets bent out of shape. Parents get bent out of shape. But you offered him. I offered him a scholarship when I had a scholarship for him. He would have said, yes, coach, I want it. I'm coming at any point in about a year, about a year's time. We would have taken it. We never would have taken the transfer kid. We'd have taken a different transfer because we knew we had, we'd have done things differently. Yeah. But things change all the time. We didn't realize two kids were going to become retirees from injury. Yeah. Now we have seven kids. So it's recruiting is continually changing Fluid. And, and people need to understand that the transfer portal mm-hmm. that if so, if you want to take someone's scholarship, take it when they offer to you, yeah. but don't get mad and come back and say, well, you off. Well, that was then this is now. No doubt. No doubt. Um, wrapping things up here. I wanted to ask you, Holy cow. Holy cow. You've had such a great, path to get to where you're at and now your success and everything I guess two different ways I could phrase it would be what would the the now version of you tell the younger you but um, uh, another way to ask it is what advice would you give a young coach who's looking to rise up the rankings and become a head coach what advice would you give them to stay the course and and, and to attain their goals first of all I wish I would have accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior Savior Mm -hmm. that's the only thing I would have done differently. And when you say success, to me, here's how I look at success. It's not digits in a bank account. It's not rooms in your house. It's not cars in your driveway. To me, if you can make a difference in someone's life every single day, you've had incredible success. And that's how I view success. All this other stuff that's a byproduct of what my parents and people that I look around me poured into me. What I would tell my young myself, or actually what I would tell younger coaches, mm-hmm. is a lot what we already said. However, Larry Shire gave me incredible advice when I was a high school coach and I was going to Providence's team camp or Clemson's camps. He said to me, Drisk, trust me, just be you. Mm -hmm. Do your job and don't look for a job. He said, Drisk, just be you. Do your job, but don't look for a job. So don't come to camp 
trying to kiss up to kiss up and hope and hope you strike something. And I'll give you a good example. When I went with coach to Wyoming, I was the restricted earner. And while we were there, a coach left and coach passed me up to somebody else. I was very hurt. But but after coach explained it to me, I was, this is what it is. I never knew that Dennis, this is a great story. I'm not going to tell you. I never knew Dennis Felton felt about me, what Larry Shiat told me to do. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is Dennis Felton got the Western Kentucky Directory. I was restricted earner, so I wasn't on the road in recruiting. He called and offered me, and I accepted, accepted what some people would call the number one assistant, the highest paid assistant, the all that, whatever term you want to term. Dennis Felton called me. And him and Shah were shot. Mm-hmm. And I took the job. For all the right reasons, reasons. And 24 hours later, I didn't think it did. And that's another story. story. Including stump going to my first final forever and stumbling upon Rick Barnes, who's obviously Dennis Felton and Larry Shiat. So I had to call mm-hmm. him for what I just did to Dennis and Larry. And this is an incredible story. He's sitting. And inhale beauty because he just hired Ricky Stokes to replace Dennis Felton. Uh-huh. Ricky Stokes and his, his wife, Ricky Stokes' wife and Coach Barnes' wife were getting their nails done. He's reading the paper. The final four that year was in San Texas. And guess who just got fired? Wow. Yeah. He's reading the reading. The, wow. And he turns to me. Now, I know him super well. Coach Barnes loves me. And he loved what I was about. Mm-hmm. When I worked at Providence camps, at Clemson's camps, like he always loved what I was about. And I never spent a ton of time with him because I just I just wasn't that guy. But he, but I he turns to me and he flips the page over and it has a huge picture of Paul Penders. And it has his record, like 20 plus wins. Yeah. Incredible. And he looks at me and he says, and I'm not going to, he cussed because this is when Coach Barnes used to cuss. And I used to cuss. I used to cuss. By the way, he talked about talking He says to me, Frisk, Frisk, who in the F? Would want to be one head coach? Are you kidding me? This is serious. Who would want to be this head coach? And guess who the head coach in Texas was in one month? Exactly. Rick Barnes. Rick Barnes. And by the way, because I didn't take the Western Kentucky job, two things. Things. I didn't become the head coach at Western Kentucky like Kenny McDonald did because Kenny was with and went to the Sweet 16. Yeah. And I also wouldn't have went to the ACC if I would have taken the Western Kentucky job. Yeah. And I never would have met Coach Drew probably. So you just – you look at kind of why you'd make decisions and don't make decisions and, and – um, but, but – 
I was very um, thankful to Coach Felton. He was very upset. Very upset. Mm -hmm. And funny as the story is, to go backwards, backwards. when we landed, landed, I was going to the hotel to catch the shuttle. You know who I saw first? Who's that? Dennis Felton. Dennis Felton. Dennis Felton. And I'm going to tell you why God is so good. Because it was on my heart so much, and I was so 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 about. I got to apologize. I got. I'm gonna see him. I got to apologize. Like I can't. And God was like, you know what? Let's knock this out. And he was the first guy. So, I don't even know. No, no, that was great. Everything you gave today was great, and I I appreciate you taking time here. Time. Holy cow! It's two thirty. Yeah, to talk and chop it up and, and kick it and all that stuff. It was awesome. It, it, great, very informative and, and everything. And um, is there anything that you want to leave anybody with? Anything you want to leave? There's my yeah. Zoom calendar. See my Zoom calendar? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's loaded. And that's, and uh, I was about to say, it's got like – Underneath is June. Full. Hey, I, oh, it's full. Underneath is June. And uh, uh, there's there's wow. a – so yeah, we we've been locked and loaded. Um, That's good. You got to. It, it's a time for growth. If you're not if you're not growing, you're losing. And you know something else too. And you talk about growth and learning. Is I've really learned a lot about some of the things that we do that I didn't realize. We tell us to the guys all the time. If we make you as great as you could possibly be, and you perform. And take care of your, and you do all this stuff. Mm -hmm. The byproduct of all this is this, is winning championships, right? Right. So if that's the byproduct of all this, I'm looking at all this stuff. I'm talking about pace and space and freeze and all this stuff because people are, I mean, professional coaches from some of the best professional coaches in Europe mm -hmm. want to know about it. And, and that's the byproduct. I didn't realize is why we're so good is three or four things that we've done in practice have not actually accidentally is a bad word, but we just did because we felt the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. And it correlates to who we are. We say this all the time. Do what you do, be who you are. If you do what you do and you be who you are, we'll let the chips fall where they may. There you go. Bet on yourself. Bet on yourself. Um, okay. Okay. Well, Speaking of, I, I brought that I, Vegas back. <laughs> yeah, you're going back to that Vegas store you didn't want to go to. <laughs> Man, I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate all the time, and I, I can't wait till we're able to talk again and stuff, and and do all this. I can't wait to see what uh, next year brings you guys. I'm, I'm gonna be excited to get out to at least a game or two of you guys uh, when, when y'all come, uh, when y'all travel a little bit. So, I, I I would say this to you to end. Um, you know, and, and, and the guys know this. Everyone's here purposely. Mm -hmm. Our staff, our managers, our players. I mean, everybody's here for a greater purpose than we can ever imagine. And, and if we continue to believe and we continue to live every day trying to make a difference in someone's life, there, there are no limits. So thank you for having me. Mm -hmm. And uh, whatever I can do down the road, um, if I can, I can ever help in any way, um, please allow me to uh, give me the opportunity or my staff because um, we sure would love to. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate that. And, yeah, Bruce, I, I talk to Bruce uh, regularly. 
um, as well. So he's he's an awesome guy and stuff. You know, South Carolina connection and all that kind of stuff. Oh so. yeah, one of the first uh, he and Coach Kennedy. I hired them before I got the job. Yeah, no, and he's he's been good for you. He's done a great job, and he's talking he about. Back. Talk about talk about not not being afraid to sit in a back gym and watch a kid at eight a.m. and stay all day and no no sh- cutting corners or anything. And that's where you know I think, I think respect comes into play, mm-hmm. and then the respect that we have for each other and the respect that we have for what we do, what we do and the way in which we go about it. Um, I think it's really 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 important um, that you that you understand that, and also too, like surrounding yourself. yourself with people is crazy. Yeah. Coach Kennan always says it this way. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. He's always said that. He said that for 12 years. I never heard it before until he said it. He said it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you better surround yourself. And the thing like Coach Drew said is, you know, surround yourself with people who are going to challenge you too. But also understand that when you make decisions as a staff or whatever, that you've made the decisions. But I think it's important that we – have those kind of Bruce Evanses around and, and Bobby Kennans and Stephen Perkins and Ian Gibsons right now and of course um, the others that have come before. You know, Coach Perkins is a great one too, Jamie. You yeah. talk about a guy was 36 years old, walks into my office without a college degree and mm-hmm. wants to be a manager. And I was at Baylor. Yeah. So that's another story for another day. Yeah, I've talked. I've talked to Stephen not as much as I talked to Bruce, but I. I, I well, he's the one who found Jaden. He's the one that we sent up there and stumbled on Jaden. Yeah, yeah. Hell of a find. He's, oh. I, I'm, I'm telling you he's going to be good for you guys. I, I'm telling you, I said it when y'all signed him. I said it when y'all offered him. It was amazing to me. He didn't have 20, 20 25 offers. He, he's going to be great for y'all. They'll all be mad at us in four years. Oh, no question. No, no, no question. That's going to be how it is. How, how did this guy get out of North Carolina? I was like, well, guys get out of North Carolina every single year a lot. So. And there's so many players, too. I mean, mm-hmm. to the coaches – you know, there's so many players, and you only have so many scholarships. So yeah. he might have been a fit maybe at Wilmington, but, you know, because of some uncertainties or because they only had so many scholarships that, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so everything happens for a reason. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, there's definitely dots are placed on a map for a purpose if you embrace it. No doubt, no doubt, no doubt. Be where your feet are planted. Love Race it. where your feet are planted, baby. That's good. Well, Coach, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Guys, thank you very much for listening to uh, the Absolute Basketball Podcast with Jamie Shaw. For Coach Matt Driscoll, we'll see you next time. God bless you. Thank you.